All right, once again, you guys can have a seat. Will, I'm gonna steal your little uh, thing here. And while I'm stealing this, I need you guys to do me a favor. I need you to think back to when you were a kid. Can you remember the first movie or TV show that really captured your attention? Like, this is one of my favorite parts of the year because I love the summer movie season. I love getting to go see uh, summer blockbusters. I got to go see Top Gun Maverick and it was worth the 30 something year wait. I loved it. I'm sure all you Navy people are like, that was so unrealistic, but I don't care, I loved it. But think back, what was, as a child, the first movie or TV show or story that just really captured your attention? Because what I know is that stories and movies are something that are so ancient. I mean, think about it, like for all of human history, we have been shaped and formed by stories. In fact, I, I, I see it right now with my four-year-old son, Axton. Like, I'm not gonna lie to you, I have used Optimus Prime as a way to get him to eat his vegetables several times. Because I'll tell him, do you wanna grow up to be big and strong like Optimus Prime? Yes then you gotta eat your peas, then you gotta eat the broccoli. And it's a way to get him to do it because in his mind, there's a story that he's telling himself about the day that he gets to be strong and have powers. Right now, we're currently in this season with him where we are watching the movie Bolt over and over and over. It's an old Disney movie, it's about a dog with superpowers that it's on a TV show that comes to find out he actually is just an actor. And, but my son is obsessed with it. Like every, like we watch it probably three to four times a week. Anytime he's got a chance, it's like, hey, let's watch Bolt, let's watch Bolt. And I would say that there's something off about him except for the fact that this is the way all kids tend to operate because we are story-formed people. Right now, there's a story you're telling yourself about the way your life is going. There's a story you're telling yourself about the way you want your life to go. There's a story you tell yourself about the way you grew up, and there's a story you tell yourself about the way the people around you act. We are formed by stories. And because of that, Jesus often used stories to explain life. He often used stories as a way to convey truth because we remember stories way better than we remember just about anything. Like if I were to give you a list of facts right now and just say, hey, read all these off. And then I came back an hour later again and said, hey, tell me what that was on that. Tell me, what, tell me all the facts on there. If you have a really good memory, you might remember a couple. Most of us would remember one or two. Some of us wouldn't remember any. But there's this weird thing where I can tell you a story and then a week later I can come back and say, hey, do you remember that story I told you? And a lot of times you're gonna remember most of the key points. You're gonna remember the way the story flowed. Even though it might've been longer and more intricate than just a, a, a set of facts, we remember stories. Jesus used stories to teach. And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna dive into one of the stories he told and then we're just gonna break it apart and say, okay, like what do we do with this story? Because of this story, how do we live our life? And so if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13. If you've got a Bible, a Bible app, whatever it is you use, that's totally fine. But we're going to start in verse 24. And we're going to look at a story that conveys a lot about life. So starting in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, this is what it says. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. 
When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weed, weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go pull them up? No, he answered, because when you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. There you go. That's life. Do it. Do you, you know, like, Jesus would tell these stories, and then the crowds would be like, huh, okay. Sure, thanks for that, Jesus. You did a miracle. You gave us some food. You told us a story. And for, them, for some people, that would be all they got out of it. They'd hear the story, they'd think about it a little bit, and they're like, okay, well, the miracle was cool, the food was cool, that story was a little weird, and then they would go home. But for the people who truly wanted to know more about life, for the people who truly were following Jesus, often Jesus would then take them aside and say, okay, let me explain to you what I'm talking about. Because I know you'll remember the story, now let me explain to you what that story means so you can do something with it. And that's exactly what happens here. If you skip down a couple of verses, uh, Jesus left the crowd. This is starting there at verse 36. This is what it says. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parables of the weeds in the field. He answered, and this is where we're going to start breaking it down. The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out from the kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let him hear." All right, so let's start breaking that down. Let's start figuring out, okay, what is Jesus talking about? What's going on? Why is he telling this story? Why did he think this was important to do? And it starts with these words right here. The kingdom of heaven is like. The first thing we have to understand about parables is that oftentimes Jesus was trying to show the difference between the way the world works when God is in charge, or oftentimes what Jesus would say is either the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. If you read through the Gospels, you'll see those words repeated a lot. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. And what Jesus is not doing is telling us, well, this is what's going to be like, what heaven's going to be like when you get there. That's not what's happening. Jesus is saying, hey, when you live as a kingdom person, when you live as someone under the authority and rule of Jesus, this is how life operates here and now in this world. He's making a contrast between the way you're used to things working and the way things work when Jesus is in charge. To give you an illustration, and I so wish Kendall and Sierra were here because they just got married and this is something that's going to be very important for them to know. But this past week, our middle school director, Kendall, uh, he got married, awesome couple, good things are in future. But one of the things I forgot to convey to him before he got married is that there's a couple things that all new couples tend to fight about. Some of them we know, money, family, who do you go see at Christmas, stuff like that. 
But I have an image of one of the top 10 fights that couples get into, okay? This is, this, this was, this is not for me. This was a t- statistic that they ran a couple years ago. And one of the top 10 things new couples get into fights about is this right here. <laughs> Which way does the toilet paper roll go? Which way? Okay, everybody that says it's supposed to face like uh, the right-hand side. If you're saying that the right-hand side is the right way for toilet paper to go, raise your hand. If you're saying the left-hand side is the right way for toilet paper to go, okay, wow, we got a lot of people that say it's okay. Here's the deal. Whatever you believe is the right way is most likely just simply the way you grew up. And what happens is when two people come together and get married, there is a clash between the way each of them grew up. You know, one person grew up, you only buy 2% milk. Another person grew up, no, you only buy like almond milk. And all of a sudden it's like, well, that's wrong. When the other person says that's wrong, you know, the way you fold it, you fold the towels this way. Well, no, that's wrong. The way you fold the towels is this way. How you grew up is how you tend to see the world and you think that it's right. And so one of the things that Jesus often had to do was to reframe people's minds around, hey, you've grown up a certain way. You've grown up thinking this is the way the world is supposed to work, and I've got to reframe your mind around a new way of thinking, a new way of living. The kingdom of heaven is not like what you've seen. Let me tell you a story about the way it actually works. If you've ever been to a foreign country, you understand this. They drive on the wrong side of the road in a lot of countries, right? And people come over here like, no, 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 you guys drive on the wrong side of the road. Culturally, things are different. If you've ever been to Europe, guess what? You don't have to tip there. And people come over here and say, wait, how many prices? There's a, there's a person I follow on Instagram, and she's really, really funny because I think she's from Ireland. Maybe it's Scotland. I can't remember. But she'll just go through like, wait, in America, the bill is not the bill? Like you add tax? Like the price is not the price? And, and like, she'll go through like trying to apply for health care here versus how it works. And it's so funny to see all of the cultural differences between the way people grow up. Well, when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like... He's telling you, he's telling us, I'm about to explain how our world is different from the way that God has designed the world. And so because of that, there's a couple of implications here in this story. Implication number one, as God is working in this world, it is really hard to tell who will receive the word and who won't. When Jesus is telling us this story, he said, hey, like, you know, there's this guy going out and he was sowing it. And then all of a sudden, wheat popped up, but then so did weeds. And they came, to the, they came to the guy and he said, hey, didn't you post this? He said, yeah, 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 I sowed good stuff. And they're like, well, what do you want us to do? You want us to go pull it all up? And he's like, no, don't go pull it all up because when you do that, you're going to get the weeds and the wheat. Now for us, we're like, can't they tell the difference? Can't they tell the difference between wheat and weeds? Like, why is he telling them no? This culture would have understood it a little bit better because take a look at this picture. The weeds that would, were cast in there would have probably been called Darnell. On the other side, you see wheat. When both of those are growing in the early stage, they look very, very similar. And unless you're just someone who's extremely meticulous, and unless you're someone who just really knows what they're doing, you're probably going to get them confused. And as you start to pull one up, you're going to grab some of the other. And in the end, they're all going to be dead. Now, what does that mean for us? It is really hard for us to tell who's going to end up following Jesus and who's not. Okay? If you would have known me when I was 19 and 20, you'd be like, oh, dude, that, 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 that dude's a weed. 
He is clearly a weed, okay? Other people, like, if you would have known my wife, you would have been like, yeah, she's wheat. We know she's wheat. She's good. You know, stuff like that. But if you look at certain people at certain times in their life, it is really, really hard to tell what God is doing in their life. And if we were to just make a snap judgment about who belongs and who doesn't belong, we're probably going to get it wrong a lot. I mean, think back on your own life. All of us have probably had seasons where we're like, I don't want to go into too much detail about those years. You know, I, I used to work with college students a lot. And sometimes they would come and tell me, like, like, Jeremy, you're not going to believe what I did. And I'm like, hey, of the 10 dumbest decisions I've made, I made eight or nine of them between the ages of 18 and 20. You know, there's very few things you can tell me that you did that I'm going to actually be shocked about, okay? So, like, don't get me wrong. We all have those periods. And one of the things that Jesus is telling us is that as we go about this world, be careful who you think belongs and who you think doesn't belong because you're probably going to be wrong as often as you are right. Which leads actually into the second implication, and it's just simply this. We're not very good gatekeepers, and that's okay because it's not our job. What did Jesus say in this story? He said, the Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of the kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. It's not our job to figure out who belongs and who doesn't belong. We're not good at it. And every time we try to make that our job, we end up just simply destroying good people. We end up destroying good things. Our job is not to figure out who should be allowed in and who shouldn't. Our job is not to figure out who's okay and who's not okay. That, Jesus says, hey, that, that is a job. Absolutely. There's going to come a day and point when evil is removed, when bad things are taken away. But who did he give that job to? He gave it to his angels. There is never going to come a day where that's our job. So you don't need to feel the pressure to do it, nor do you need to feel the, the obligation to take it up. Because every single time we do that, every single time we put ourselves in the position of gatekeeper, we're rolling the dice. And it gets so easy to just start saying, well, anybody that thinks differently, differently than me, well, they must not belong. Anybody who voted differently than me, they must not belong. Anyone who watches the other cable channel must not belong. And what happens over time is we end up taking people who God is trying to do something with, and we end up uprooting them because we've taken on a job that is not ours. Other way, uh, in another place in the book of Matthew, here's how Jesus said it. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and good and sends rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? And then pay attention, look what he says. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is a this is hard to understand because the way the word perfect is used here is different than the way we usually use perfect. The better way to translate this might be, be complete as your Father in heaven is complete in the sense of you're not leaving anybody out. You're perfect in that there's not a group of people that don't make your list. Be perfect as in there's no one that you're like, yeah, I don't love them. Yeah, I don't care for them. Just as God loves every single human being who's ever been born and ever will be born, our job is to simply do the same. We don't get to make lists of who's in and who's out. Our job is to love 
completely and perfectly without regard to background, nationality, opinions, etc. Our job is to love. Just to further emphasize this, I'm going to show you what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. He, he picks up on this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Pay attention to these words. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take, my, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will burn heaping coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All throughout scripture, we get the message over and over and over again. It's not our job to exclude. No matter how much you think that person deserves it. Because when we start to exclude, we're taking on a job that is not ours. We're taking on a position that is not ours. Which leads to actually a really good question. So then what, are, what is our job? What is our job? The story tells us. Implication number three, our job is to let the word grow in us. As the sower was sowing the seal, seed in the field, he said, hey, some of you, the word of God is going to take root. And that is what we're supposed to do. Let it grow in us. Let the love of God shine through in every aspect and area of our life. We don't need to worry about the other people. God's got them. For good or bad, God has got them. Our job is to let God's love grow in us. Now, let me say a couple things just to make sure there's no misunderstanding. One, this is not about so that God will love you. He already does. God already loves you. You don't let the word grow in you so that he will accept. Like he already accepts you. You're already in. You've already got it. You're good. This is about living a kingdom life. This is about what it looks like to live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Remember, Jesus started, hey, the kingdom of heaven is like. As people of, as Jesus followers, as people who have put our lives under the rule and reign of Jesus, our job is to let the word of God grow in us in every single aspect. And so one of the things that we do is we cooperate with what God is doing in our life. When we tell you things like, hey, it's important to pray or it's important to read scripture. It's important to have a group of people around you. These are ways in which you let the word of God grow in you. As I read scripture, I'm letting God's word grow more in me. As I pray and as I listen to what God is saying, the word of God is growing in me. As I listen to other people and I see what their needs are and they see what my needs are and we meet each other's needs, we're letting the word of God grow in us. This is our job. It's our only job. We just simply keep finding areas of our life and making sure God's love is shining through in all of it. So we take a look at our finances. Is God's love shining through my finances? We take a look at our relationships with our family. Is God's love growing there? We take a look at our relationships at work. Am I living a life where God's love is shining through me at work, in my neighborhood? I mean, you just keep going down the list. At my school, in every area of our life, we take God's love and we let it shine through. This is the life that our story, or this is the story that our life is telling. 
We said once again, all of us are living a story. Have you taken your story and put it underneath God's story? Have you connected your story to God's story? Because like I said, right now you're telling yourself a story about the way your life is. You're telling yourself a story about what the good life is going to look like. What the dream, what, you know, when this happens, life will be good. Or if this would stop happening, life would be good. Are we connecting our story to God's story and letting the Word of God grow in us? The fourth implication in this. For all of you guys that grieve the evil of this world, there will be a day when that evil ends. And for some of you guys, you really have gone through something over the last season of life. And you're like, God, why are you, why are you allowing that to continue to happen? Why are you allowing that to continue to be true? Like, God, if you're so good, why is this so bad? And, I, and, and this is what I hold on to in that last bit. It says, the Son of Man will send out His angels, and they will weed out of His kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. There is coming a day and time when the evil of this world does end. I, don't, I wish I could tell you I knew when. I wish I could tell you what that was going to look like. But for everyone who's been grieving and mourning the evil of this world, the destruction of the things that we see around us, the, all the ways that this world just isn't right. God sees it. God knows it. And one of the things that we can do is we can hold on to the fact that God is active. He's actively working in this world. He's actively trying to make this world the good and beautiful thing that it was created to be. And so we cooperate with it, we try to expand it, we try to see how love can connect to all things, but we do know that it will one day be all made right. And so if you've, if you've been tempted to give up hope, if you've been tempted to let things just say, I don't think it's going to ever get better, God is promising there is a day where it does get better. And then how does Jesus end this story? He ends this story the way that he ends so many, with this phrase, Whoever has ears, let them hear. He ends it with this phrase, whoever has ears, let them hear. And that was Jesus' way of saying, now that you know something, do something. You know, it, it doesn't translate as well in our, our culture, but if you've heard this story, do something with this story. Now, I'm going to make it easy on you guys. Here's a couple that you can pick from, okay? Here's some ways you can take this story and live it out and put it into your own actual lives. You don't have to do these. In fact, I don't think you should do all three of them at the same time. Maybe just pick one, but let them hear. Here's a couple things. Are there people that you've been judging or written off that you should be loving? Do you have a relative in your life? And they've been acting super weedy lately, you know? They've been acting like you're just a weed in this season of life. Keep praying for them. Keep encouraging them. Keep letting them know that God loves them because you have no idea what God is going to do in the future of their life. There's no need to write them off. Keep praying. Keep reaching out. Second, are you, are, am I letting the word grow in me? If you've been spending your, most of your time figuring out how everybody else is wrong and you're right, this might be a good one for you. Like this might be a good time to say, oh, you know what, instead of trying to figure out all the people that don't belong, I'm going to let God just start doing some stuff in me. 
I'm going to let God just start taking care of my heart, my condition, and I'm going to work on loving others. Third, am I holding on to the goodness of God? For everybody walking through a tough season, for everybody walking through major pain, remembering that God is good and the bad that we see in this world is not of him. In that story, God said over and over, the pain you see, the heartache you see, the evil that you see, that's not of me. It is of the devil. I have the goodness that you are looking for. Maybe this application for you is something different than one of those. That's fine. But do something with this story. Do something with it. Let it transform you. Let it continue to make you more into who you were created to be. Because what I know is that this world needs more people who practice the love of God in every area of their life. As you become a more loving person, it can't help but spill over into the life of others. As you become more of who you were created to be, other people will benefit. I said earlier, I asked you that question, I said, what is a church? And I said, a church is a group of people gathered around Jesus who love each other well. As we grow in our love, every single person in this room is going to benefit. As we grow, every single person in our community is going to benefit because that's how God changed the world through the love of Jesus spilled over into us, spilling over to us into other people. So hold on to that goodness. I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to sing one last song and then we're going to go out in the world and we're going to let God transform us. So if you would pray with me.